Episode 187, everybody, with the 101-year-old himself, the former team doctor for the Cleveland Browns, the former orthopedic surgeon from 1965 to 1980 for the Browns, and a, a man who worked decades and decades and decades in the profession here in Northeast Ohio. I was honored to be joined by the one and only Dr. Malcolm Brahms. The Optimal Life. Dr. Brahms, Dr. Malcolm Brahms, welcome to the Optimal Life Podcast. How are you, sir? I'm fine, thank you. It's a pleasure to meet you. I don't get to talk to people that are north of 100 years old very often. Well, I'm glad to be able to do so. 101. I mean, that's such an incredible feat, and it looks like you're sitting there. I don't know. It looks like the kitchen's in the background or something thereabouts. Talk yes, to us a little good. bit. Where, you, you, do you live by yourself still? I do, but I do have aides that cover me for 24 hours. Okay. And so the aides will cover you for 24 hours, um, but you're still you're still doing all the, the normal things that, that most of us, you know, everyday people are doing, living on your own. Yeah, but with no ambulation. I'm on a wheelchair. Okay. So when you look back at life, you're at a point in your life now where obviously you've gone longer than 99.9% of people. When you look back at life, is there anything that at this point you look back and say, I wish I would have done this? And if so, what would that be? No, I think uh, that which I desired to do when I was young, I completed. Uh, and uh, happy uh, to continue to uh, be able to communicate. Yes. So you're just ex you're so pleased with exactly you, you did everything that you had hoped to do in life and more and more. So what are some of the things that you did that when you say and more, what were some of those things that maybe you even surpassed your own expectations? Well, I was unable to uh, afford uh, going to school, but did so with the help of uh, my sister for the first year. And uh, fortunately, I was given a scholarship at the Higher College of Chiropathy, now known as Podiatry. Uh, and I was a, recognized as a a pretty good basketball player, which gave me the scholarship and afforded me uh, to graduate as a doctor of podiatry. Uh, I then uh, I always wanted to be a medical doctor and principally an orthopedic surgeon. I applied to medical school and was accepted uh, and completed my training in at the Case Western Reserve University. Went to the Army, spent four years in the Army, uh, not as a uh, podiatrist, not as a physician, uh, but uh, as a, a regular soldier. I uh, was fortunate uh, in the Army uh, to uh, uh, perform as a podiatrist 
uh, and saved uh, me a, a great deal of uh, help in that particular manner. As a podiatrist, uh, I was called by one of the physicians in the army who was a officer in charge uh, and was called by a colonel, uh, and not a colonel, but a general, who was having some problem with his foot. Uh, the physician in charge said, uh, I'm a radiologist, I don't know anything about feet. Would you go with me? And I did. And uh, I was able to uh, correct the problem that was bothering the general. And uh, uh, we became friends and I saw him about once every six weeks until uh, the at the uh, until the end of the war. Yes. Wow, that's incredible. You've got some amazing stories in such a rich rich history in life, and there's so many different ways we can go. Um, before we get into your path, ultimately being the head doctor, one of the head you know, orthopedic surgeons for the Cleveland Browns in 1965 for 15 years, which is incredible and we look forward to getting into some of that what i'm curious to learn from you is at, at 101 years old are you scared of death at this point in your life not scared but uh, knowing uh, it will end at any particular time in the near future and does that does that does that change over the course of time as we get older as human beings does that mentality I'm a father of young children. You at one point were a father of young children as well. And then you go through your adult life and you see your kids getting older. And then I assume you might have grandchildren and you continue to progress in your life. What I'm curious to know is does the, does the fear of death, if there was, I think we all kind of have it somewhere inside of us. Um, does the fear subside as you continue to get older? No, I don't fear it, but I hope it ends uh... Uh, on an immediate and not a prolonged manner. Mm, interesting. So there's no there's no fear at this point, and, and that's the way mm -hmm. I would that's that's the way I would expect expect it to go. Uh, it's just incredible. What what do you you've lived through such a difference in in terms of the way technology has changed over the last century? I mean, you go back even thirty years ago, let alone seventy five or eighty years ago. What's your take on technology? And can you believe this? Can you believe that where you were when you were a doctor for the Browns in the 60s and 70s, here we are, you and I talking to each other on this face-to-face -face video. Can you believe the way this has changed? What's, what's your take on all that? Well, I think the technology has made medicine a better profession. It affords people uh, to have procedures done uh, with, without prolonged anesthesia or surgery. Uh, and that, that's, that's a tremendous improvement. Uh, I remember in 1972 uh, to perform an orthoscopic examination of a knee and thought that it was absolutely so different from what all of us who were performing orthopedic surgery and needing to 
open a knee, remove a, a cartilage or some such thing. But today, that's an in and out procedure, home the same day after the surgery is performed. It's a great deal difference. However, what has not been a better benefit of the high technology is that uh, there is less contact, personal contact with the physicians that formerly was uh, a necessary uh, manner of treatment. So the technology has improved the, the efficiencies, the effectiveness, maybe the speed at which things can be performed. Uh, yet on the flip side of that token is it has eliminated those interpersonal direct contact relationships uh, that, that the patients so often need from their medical professional. Yeah, that's correct. So in the mid 60s, you were operating as a doctor here in Cleveland. Talk, take us back. You ended up performing surgery on, on future Hall of Famer Paul Warfield, the wide receiver. Is that correct? That is correct. Yes. And that and you at that time when you were performing that surgery, were you the Cleveland Browns team doctor at that time or not yet? No, I was uh, called by Dr. Victor Ippolito uh, because of the nature of the injury to his uh, uh, shoulder uh, clavicle. Uh, necessitating someone who could uh, repair that if if ne if needed, and it was needed. So they call you because you obviously had a reputation in town. What what hospital were you at at that point? Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai. Wow. Yes, Mount Sinai. I hospital. think Mount Sinai is where I was born, sir. I'm pretty sure. I, I'm, it was a great hospital. I did a lot of work at Dr. Epolito's uh, hospital as well. He had a small hospital in his uh, office that uh, served his needs, and uh, but I performed minor kind of op uh, operative procedures there. Interesting. So they give you a call, you get the call. You obviously know who, if you were any type of sports fan, you knew who Warfield was, correct? Oh, we're still great friends. Yeah. Yeah, so you get the call and he comes in and you perform this surgery that goes so well. Had you not had had it not gone as well, who knows what his future would have been? What 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 was the exact surgery? He, he fractured his clavicle uh, in such a manner that it was to displaced, necessitating uh, restoring the normal contour and uh, putting some internal. Uh, metal in order to hold it in, in place until healing occurred. Uh, you, me, you may not remember this, that he, long before the All-Star game uh, it, that is played today in football at the end of the season, prior to that, the college graduates, uh, prim, the premier players, uh, were held together and played against a National Football League team. That was a, that was a different, and that was a, a, so different uh, between two 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 uh, National Football League play, teams playing against each other. And uh, I think that may have been 
the end of that particular arrangement of a college versus a, a National Football League team. Yeah. So you, you perform the surgery on Warfield that goes well, and then what happens? The Browns give you a call and say, we want to make you our full-time team doctor? It be, that happened automatically, yes. Automatically. And then you, so do you have to resign at Mount Sinai? Was I, I didn't get your did, question. Did you, did you have to resign from your position at Mount Sinai? Oh, no, 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 not at all. No, I was in charge of the orthopedics at Mount Sinai, uh, even during that particular time. Got it. So you were still, you were still working and operating for your patients, but now you were also assigned this additional responsibility as the team's head orthopedic surgeon. That is correct, yes. And as time goes on throughout the years, what are some of your, give us, I don't know, one or two of some of your fondest memories working as the Browns team doctor? Yes, well, the fondest memory was uh, we played Dallas uh, and I can't tell you exactly the rear unless I get the football that I was given. Uh, we played Dallas and Milt Morn, whom I had done surgery prior to that particular time game, uh, he was awarded the, you know, that after every football game, the coach uh, has the team get together and the player who played well or the best received the football. There may be one, two, or three uh, who are very good at that particular game. And, and the Blanton's Collier uh, threw the football to Milt Morn and thanked him. Milt Morn said he didn't deserve it and threw the ball to me. He threw the ball to you. He gave you his game ball. Exactly. What? How did that make you feel? Well, I've had I have three or four footballs during my uh, time at the Browns at different times. And every single time, it's it's an overwhelming feeling of joy. You can't believe it. That's right. Exactly. The entire locker room's clapping for the doctor. Well, we our our clap our locker room was different from other other locker rooms that I visited. Uh, it was. Uh, Paul Brown's method of no one uh, making any noise but studying their plays before the game started. What was life like for you as you continued to progress as the team's doctor into the 70s? And uh, what, what was life like around around town? You kind of became the guy. You, were, you became like the most famous uh, doctor in, in Cleveland for a period of time. Yes, I loved every minute of it. And sorry when I stop doing uh, orthopedic surgery. Were you able to go to restaurants without being, were you able to go anywhere without being stopped or was it so frantic that people really recognized you at that period of time? No, I don't think that that was, uh, I was at perhaps at the arena watching a basketball game. Someone would come up and say hello. Uh, there are times like that, but I didn't, I didn't try to, to protect myself in, in any crowds. What made you decide to ultimately stop as the Browns team doctor? What are that, 1980, 1979? 1980. Uh, what, what happened there? There was, uh, I, uh, 
there was a little uh, a disagreement with uh, one of the players that I thought uh, did not need surgery. Uh, and uh, uh, the uh, some one from the uh, clinic examined him and thought so. And I assume Art Modell, with whom I have great respect, uh, decided that he would continue using the Cleveland Clinic at that time. Mm. How did you feel when he took the team from Cleveland to Baltimore? I have great respect for Art, as I said. Uh, there was no question it was a financial matter. Uh, and uh, it was, uh, he did what I thought he, I didn't want him to, but he did what he thought he had to do. And I agreed with him. You agreed with him for moving the team strictly from a financial it standpoint. Was a financial matter, yes. Yeah. yeah. You still a football fan? Very much so. What do you think of the Browns today? I saw, I really think that uh, the coach that we have today is uh, doing a great job. I like the fact that uh, there's a lot of uh, uh, togetherness and the, the what the fact that only one time in the last three games has a lineman not been uh, called only one time has a lineman been called for being offside, which means that there's a certain amount of a tremendous uh, uh, agree of, of whole working together. Uh, yeah, like accountability. This. Yes, I, I, I and I like his choice. Yeah. How in the world do you know that, Doctor? How do you know that statistic? I'm just watching the games. <laughs> That's very impressive. That's very impressive. So you watch every single game? I try very desperately to watch every game, and, and have probably in the last uh, many, many years. Well, listen, you're a, you're you you know football better than most people that are outside of that are actually not in the sport playing. You've been as close to it um, as anybody else possibly can be, and you continue to be a big time fan. So why don't you give us a look into your crystal ball? Here comes the 2021 season. Uh, Baker Mayfield and the boys are getting ready. What what do you think? Uh, we're going to a 17 game season now. So what I do you think, think their record's going to be? I think that they're going to be a, a, a have a good record. I don't think we'll win every game, but I'm hopefully that they will do uh, great. But certainly, he has uh, uh, made a very beautiful front line, and uh, uh, Baker's done in in the short period of time in the preseason. He looked pretty sharp. Over under twelve games. Will they win twelve or more? Oh yes. They will. I think so. I hope so. I think so as well. And what about their chances in the playoffs? I don't know enough about the other teams uh, to predict that, but uh, certainly uh, there are a lot of good uh, football players all over the league. Yes, yes. And they should make be able to make another run, no doubt about that. Yeah. Let me ask you, uh, what's the secret? Doctor, you, you've lived again. You're, you're, you hit the century mark last year. You're now 101 years old. I'm sitting here talking to you, and uh, 
I feel like I'm talking to somebody much younger than 100 years old. So tell us, what's the secret to this success? I just feel like I'm 60. You feel like you're 60. How do we all get to be 100 years old and feel like we're 60? Tell us how. You have to be lucky. You attribute this all to luck and nothing else. Absolutely. Lifestyle, food, exercise, not, none of that matters? Oh, I think one should uh, avoid excesses in anything, feet, either food or, or alcohol or anything like even medication. Yeah, interesting. And 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 if you don't mind me asking, you've uh, you've been widowed, I imagine, at this point for a while. Is that correct? Yes, that's right. How had did that impact you? Uh, if you don't mind, how did that impact you um, in that second stage of your life? As a matter of fact, I visited my wife's burial place this morning. Yes. No kidding. When did she pass away? Two years ago. Oh, wow. And how old was she? Today she would be 100. Wow. That's incredible. You guys have lived such a long, rich, and when I say rich, I mean emotionally rich life. But she's been ill for the past 10 years, now 12 years, yes. And what have you done to uh, over the last couple of years then to you, you have to adjust to this next phase? What what have you done? Have you done things differently? Have you gone out more? Have you gone to your synagogue more often? What 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 are some of the things you've been doing? Yes, I go to the synagogue every morning. You go every morning. Not, be, not only not because I'm uh, that religious, but I have a lot of friends, and it's fun to be with a lot of our friends at the synagogue. That's fantastic. Wow. This is just remarkable. I'm, I'm honored to be able to have the chance to talk to you. It's amazing what we're able to do nowadays, this technology. We wouldn't be able to do this in your wildest dreams, doctor. This Go back 20 or 30 years ago. This, you, this didn't seem even possible. This is like the Jetsons, right? Yes. This yes. is real life well, George Jetson. Yes, it's true. I uh, was hoping that I would live as long as my father, and I did. And how old was he? 84. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's amazing to me. It's just, it's hard to understand how some of us get to live longer than others. And when you you break it down so simply, you say, it's just lucky. <laughs> There's no secrets. Just, you know, just enjoy the ride while you can. Right. Because you never know. You never know. Um, before we finish it off, uh, I know you guys do have that practice still that's in your name, correct? The orthopedic yes. practice? Yes. And uh, are there still there's still doctors active at the practice working there? Yes, there is. There, there are two that are still active. Uh, Dr. Bruce Cohn is active at, the, at our Resident uh, office on in, on Commerce Park, and Doctor uh, Rob Leb uh, is in practice in St. Louis. Fantastic, and we'll make sure that we link the website to that practice in the show notes for this episode. 
So anyone that's listening that wants to go look more into this orthopedic practice, Dr. Brom's name is still part of the practice. Click on the link and you can go see what they're doing there. Hey, uh, awesome stuff. Really, really neat to talk to you. Um, congratulations on such a successful journey. And I'm really appreciative to Kenny again for, for linking us up. So uh, I'm wishing you nothing but the best, you and your family and continued health, most importantly. Thank you very much. Appreciate it.